Hey guys, John Paulamy here, Actionable Intelligence. Today is Saturday, January 30th, 2021, and this is the weekly market update. A little bit of housekeeping here. Just wanted to remind people, uh, especially those listening on podcast, uh, I've been distributing this to via the Anchor tool. It goes to Spotify, all these different, I don't even know, like seven or eight different podcasting forums or websites. If I could get you to do something for me, it'd be really helpful. And that is if you enjoy the podcast, if you like what we're doing here, if you're listening to this on your commute, whatever, if you could take the time to go on and if there's some type of, you know, comments or likes or whatever on the particular podcast app that you're using, it would really help out, help me out. It uh, helps rank the podcast, it draws attention to it, and maybe we can get some other folks listening to this podcast. Like I said, it's helpful. The other thing, um, just want to remind people about the Actionable Intelligence Alert newsletter, 150 a year, 12 issues, various stock picks that uh, are basically in the mold of what we talk about on this uh, weekly videos. So you get a lot of out of favor, contrarian views, uh, companies that can take advantage of that. It's done pretty well in the last two quarters. Uh, we think it's going to continue to do well based on some of the things we're seeing in the markets around the monetary situation and just the overall uh, situation around the lack of investment in resources over the last decade or so. So anyways, uh, let's get started for this week. So I had quite a few people email me, DM me about my thoughts on the GameStop situation. And guys, you know, I'm, I have a real job besides this. This is what I do on the side. I actually enjoy this better than my job, but I just don't have the time to sit here all day and analyze everything. I'm familiar with what has gone on, but I don't have the details. What I would like to talk about, though, is what I think is the second order things that people should be looking at and some of the things that we've been talking about that are manifesting. And this is just a, another one of the symptoms of the underlying sickness and disease. So, you know, basically what you had here and was interesting, just as a side note, if you you should subscribe to this, uh, I don't have a link, but you can look it up. Um, you know, Harris Kupperman, big fan of ours here on the website and on the channel. Uh, he puts out Cuppy's event-driven uh, market events or something like that. It's this big, huge thing that comes out every Saturday. It's like 80 or 90 pages. He's not charging for it yet, but he's going to eventually. But anyways, GameStop, Best Buy, all these things that got creamed, uh, that got short squeeze that though they were called out a while ago inside his little missive his uh, newsletter in the section about potential short squeezes they have a section in there that brings this up so basically you know what you've got here is a bunch of greedy hedge fund guys that have been doing this for a while right they shorted basically more stock was shorter than actually existed so something like 150 percent of the float was shorted um Evidently, a bunch of people on the internet, on Reddit, sub forums, Wall Street bets, whatever it's called, 
these people got together and started buying the stock. So once the stock starts going up, the shorts have to start covering, right? They start incurring losses. They start having to liquidate other parts of their portfolio of their book to make up for the the losses they're having on this short that's being driven. And you saw what happened. I'm not going to get into the into all of the uh, hour by hour, minute to my minute things that happened. What I found interesting are a couple of things. First of all, the fact that um, as soon as you know Wall Street has been colluding, cheating, uh, getting advantages over people for decades, and nobody's done everything. You know, the SEC is out to lunch. Uh, I think Doug Casey calls it the Swindlers Enablement Commission or something like that. And so, you know, they show up after the party and, you know, point with a, you know, very stern figure. We're not going to allow this to happen again. In the meantime, they turn a blind eye. You have this rotating group of people that goes between Wall Street and, you know, government oversight, whether it's in Treasury or the um, places like the SEC. So nothing's going to happen, right, to the hedge funds. But oh, no, now all of a sudden they're going to, you know, Elizabeth Warren's wagging her finger. You know, she takes all kinds of payoffs from the uh, from Wall Street. Somebody needs to do something, something. We need to have an investigation. We're going to have an investigation. We're going to get to the bottom of this. And if there was any, our markets are free and our markets are need to be, you know, people need to have confidence in our markets. So we're going to get in there and, you know, go after all the Robin Hooders that drove this up, you know, because they're, they're the ones, right? I mean, this is so transparently, this overriding social and economic um, tones that I've been talking about were going to happen based on the de-evolution of the Western empire, what, you know, American empire. That's, this is another this is another dandelion. It's another weed in the yard. That's all this is. And so what I wanted to say is, you know, here we have this, uh, you know, how does this stuff happen anyways? Well, that's because, you know, we have this corruption of the financial system by the central banks and the government. And it's just a consequence of central bank money creation that continues to enable speculation. The markets are not there for people to be sitting at home, locked down. These people should be at a job working, okay? That's what they should be doing. Instead, people are locked down. They're out of work, whatever. They get their little checks from the government. They get on here. So I, I applaud them. I, I'm, I'm glad for them. Some of these people made tremendous amounts of money, and I'm happy for them. And the hedge funds, the Sharpies, lost billions. You know, if you get out over your skis and you want to be in the casino – Hey, sometimes it comes up craps. You thought you were playing with loaded deck and you weren't in this case. They got you. The Sharpies got caught. So, of course, they want to take their ball and go home now. But this has deeper overtones, right? The ongoing creation of money coupled with lockdowns, easy trading access via Robinhood. And I mean, everybody has no commission fees now for trading. You can do it on your phone or your computer easily. And a desire to get rich quick has led to historic levels of speculation. I mean, we're beyond speculation now in my mind. I mean, it's turned right into a casino. Markets have went from being mechanisms to raise capital and allow for monetization of business ownership interest to casinos. You know, the stock market is not there so that people can get rich quick. And we have all these uninitiated investors. Well, I don't even use the word investors, people. And they've been, they've seen these tremendous gains. They've seen Tesla go up 800% or whatever it is. They've seen Bitcoin go through the roof. 
and you know they're making money and i've talked about this before this is not the first time i've seen this this happened in the bubble it happened during the great financial crisis it happened even as transparent as this back in the tech bubble in the late 90s 2000 and this is not the first time this has happened in history this is like i said this is a manifestation of the corruption and of the of, of our money basically of central banks creating money of government um you know distorting the economy uh you know locking people down people should be out creating things they should be in businesses they should be you know having engaging in commerce and providing things for other people at a profit they should not be doing speculation like in bucket shops in the 1920s on wall street and that's what you've got this is not investing this is specul rank speculation of the crudest type. It's gambling. It's casino. It's betting on red and black in a roulette table. That's all this is. It's going to end in misery. I've pointed out vignettes in the past, just of some of the things I've seen on Twitter. You know, the guy that supposedly, you know, made twelve million dollars in Tesla stock. And so instead of selling out, counting himself lucky, and setting himself and his family up for generational wealth. You know, he, he, he's a true believer, right? Elon Musk is going to change the universe. So what's he going to do at this historic overvaluation? Uh, no, he's not going to sell and buy municipal bonds and go, you know, create wealth for his family, lasting wealth. No, he's going to take out a margin loan against his stock and uh, because the stock's going to go up. John, don't you understand? Don't you understand that Elon Musk is changing the world and that even though the stock is up 1,200%, uh, in the last two years. Um, and basically the company makes no products and competes in an industry that makes very little profits. Um, you don't understand because the world's changing. Yes, I, I understand the world's changing. Not for the better, obviously. This guy's going to lose everything. Uh, a lot of these people that are speculating, a guy I talked to the other day was talking about some coin that went up, altcoin, and I really encouraged him to sell out. I mean, when you have that, you know, he, 300 bucks turned into thousands or something. I said, dude, sell. You just don't round trip it. Don't ride it all the way up and then think in your mind you're a genius and it's going to keep going up. Sell and count yourself fortune. It's like, you know, you found, I said this before, you know, you, you know some guy is walking down the street and finds a $100 bill because he's lucky. That doesn't mean he's a good investor. You know, a lot of these people are, mis are going to mistake their good fortune in gambling uh, as some type of um, competence in money management and investing and speculating, and it's not. And I hope that they won't find out the hard way. I hope people that listen to this podcast and listen to this videos don't aren't of that persuasion. I think many of you are not, but it's really hard to watch your neighbor get rich uh, by just sheer luck, being in the right place at the right time, basically struck by lightning. And then you're like, well, you have FOMO, right? I have to get in. I have to be part of this. So anyway, uh, like I said, this is not the first time this has happened in history. You know, at uh, I think Contrarian 8888 was talking about he is rereading uh, When Money Dies, which is about the Weimar hyperinflation. I actually pulled my copy down. I started reading it. Then I, I, I was reminded of some of the things that were pointed out that were happening in Austria in Germany and in Hungary, 
uh, after World War I when they had their hyperinflations and the speculation that was going on. Luke Groman put this out on his Twitter feed. He highlighted this. He's like, you know, we're already not even a month into the first, you know, month of January of uh, 2021. We've already seen two things, similarities, you know, because history is going to repeat. Uh, it's not going to be exact, but human nature doesn't change. That's why history repeats. Humans are, humans are going to human. Emotions are going to the same. People react the same. So just wanted to point out these couple of quotes from When Money Dies. It's highlighted here. It says, uh, gambling on the stock exchange had become the fashion. The only way to avoid losing all one's money and perhaps to add to it. Many doomed bankers were giving people advice. The flight from the crone governing all transactions. And that was the, uh, I believe, the Austrian currency. Uh, and it was being inflated away. So people were trying to hide out in the stock market, right? Because what you're buying shares of a stock, at least these people understood that buying a share of a business means you had a claim on uh, some portion of the physical assets, right? And as they were inflating these currencies, the currency was increasingly becoming worthless, at least if you invested in a company, you could have a claim on the um, assets of the company. And that's what happens, right? As the money's debased, people panic. You know, I'm going to put a link to, you know, I have the website where I do the curation of investment uh, discussions, papers, podcasts, uh, investmentcuration.com, I believe it's called, Blogspot. I'll put a link to it. But uh, I'll put a thing up there from Macro Voices. And um, there was an excellent um, interview this weekend again where um, they were talking about this. And then, you know, one of the things that got brought up was like baseball cards and Pokemon cards and antique cars. People are trying to put their money into anything that gives them anonymity and gets them out of the currency. People have to, are, people intuitively know what's happening. Now, we are not in the throes of a Weimar hyperinflation by no means, and I'm not suggesting we will be. But what I am suggesting is that uh, based on what I, what I see, uh, there, there is going to be a policy of dollar devaluation over time. You have no choice with the debts being as high as they are. The other quote here, uh, like I said, history doesn't repeat exactly, but it's something similar, right? Uh, the other quote from uh, When Money Dies, communists are seething, large, the large numbers unemployed, un un unemployed, their passions fermented by the communists are seething with disconnect, content. A mob has attempted to set the parliament building on fire. Well, the MAGA people or the BLM infiltrators, however you want to say it, you know, like I said, you haven't seen anything yet. Uh, if people think that frat prank was a real um, insurrection, they are in for a rude awakening. They should study history because I think eventually you are going to see real insurrections in the U.S. and they will not be like that frat prank at the Capitol. Here's the book I've talked about before by Adam Ferguson, available on Amazon, When Money Dies. I think you should read it. Why? Uh, the rest of the title here, The Nightmare of Deficit Spending, Devaluation, and Hyperinflation in Weimar, Germany. And it was a nightmare. You know, people, people say things like, I don't understand how a civilized, advanced country like Germany could come under the throes or come under the control of national spell binding of national socialism. You, that's because you don't understand what was happening there. 
when you read what was happening there for years, if you go and read Voluptuous Panic, okay, which is a salacious book about the underworld, the nightclubs, the pornography, the prostitution, just the collapse in morals in Weimar Germany, okay? When you see how people were suffering, starvation, depredation, no prospects, no hope, that's going, that's what I fear is going to happen in the U.S. This is when you get into situations where people are literally hungry, they have no hope, they are ripe for the picking for demagogues. You want to understand how it happens? Read this book. This, this, will, this, this is from firsthand accounts. This isn't just an academic book talking about things. This is firsthand accounts. It talks about situations actual people were in and how they coped and what they did and how they felt about it. What they, you know, you could feel the desperation. You can feel the hopelessness. It's somebody, anybody that I will follow anybody that will get us out of this. That's what the mindset ends up becoming. Okay, so like I said, you know, um, at the back of this video, I'll talk about what I think might be the next Wall Street bet speculation that seems to be gaining momentum over the weekend on the various message boards and on Twitter. But let's get into the rest of the this week's discussion. That's uh, kind of a sarcastic title of this slide. Reason number 1105 to be bullish on oil and gas. Well, you know, I became extremely bullish on gold and I... Uh, back in the early 90s and I was accumulating I remember I was going over some of my bullion holdings and I was accumulating gold for 285 300 an ounce and I would go to the coin store every payday and pick up some silver rounds for four dollars and 25 cents I remember haggling with the guy he goes I'll do 100 at 425 you know four dollars and 25 cents on the rounds each oh that was a good deal now you know things are 25 26 whatever it is gold bullion maple leafs Krugerrands American Eagles at 275, 280 an ounce. And I remember Gordon Brown, who used to be a, uh, the, basically the, I get, I forget what the exact name is in the UK, something of the exchange or something like that. Basically the guys like the treasury secretary, but he decided to sell the UK's gold basically. I think, I don't remember the exact date. You can look it up. Gordon Brown sells UK gold, Google it. But this is just the anecdotal story I'm telling. You know, these stoops always, you know, are like retail investors, people in government. And the reason they're in government is because they're psychopaths and they're not so bright anyways. They're not financially savvy people. You know, they're sociopaths and psychopaths and they want to control other people. And like a typical politician, you know, they sell the gold. They were selling the UK's gold at the exact bottom of the market. It, 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 what I'm trying to get to is it's, it was an indication of the bottom. When the UK, when Gordon Brown was selling the UK's gold at 275 or 280 an ounce, that was, you know, that was the bottom. Here's another, you know, we talk about the magazine covers. Here's another thing. When stupid politicians do stupid things, you should uh, take note. Uh, New York City's largest pension funds achieve first in the nation goal of a divesting from fossil fuel reserve owners, expected to be one of the largest fossil fuel divestments in the world. This is a quote from uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio. Fossil fuels are not only bad for our planet and our frontline communities, they are a bad investment. Well, they have been the last couple of years because we had a shale boom. We had an oversupply of oil. 
putts. Our first in the nation divestment is literally putting money where our mouth is when it comes to climate change. Divestment is a bold investment in our children and grandchildren and our planet. I applaud the trustees, advocates, and experts for their hard work. And I look forward to seeing more cities around the world join this call for change. Then the uh, other stoop, who's the uh, controller, comptroller, Scott M. Stringer, who will go down in infamy like Gordon Brown as a putz. Quote, climate change is the fight of our lives. Is it really, though? I mean, I, does, aren't people sick of this? This, this like over-dramatization, this Hollywoodization. It's the biggest fight of our lives. Well, it probably isn't. If you got terminal cancer right now, you're probably, that's the biggest fight of your life, not climate change. No one notices anything. What's happening? Everything's fine where I live. Most normal people don't think this is, in every poll after poll, I mean, I'm going on a rant here, I know, and people, some people don't like it, but I'm doing it anyways. Poll after poll, no one cares about this. <laughs> they don't. Yeah, you can stand outside of a grocery store with a clipboard. Are you for clean energy? Are you for clean air and water? Of course everybody is. Only a sociopath would be, you know, want to deliberately pollute. That's a far cry from believing that, you know, the earth is in a runaway heat wave that's going to incinerate the planet. Anyways, back to this dum-dum. And we must face it head on with everything we've got for our planet, for our children, and for our retirees. I suspect that uh, because of all the lack of investment as oil prices continue to creep up, uh, which this basically is going to be the theme of this week's video, uh, when the oil is 100 or $120 a barrel in a couple of years, and we haven't really you know, achieved the full transition to EVs uh, in two years, uh, that's going to take decades, by the way. Um, Will this look so smart then? I mean, you're selling basically at the complete, you're selling at the bottom. So if you actually believe, you know, the energy now at the lowest um, percentage of the S&P it's ever been, if you think that that's, why, why weren't they selling at the top back in 2011? You know, if they actually believe this. Climate change was a big hoo-ha. You were getting hoo-rahed on climate change back in 2011 when oil was, uh, or, or whenever it was, 2008. There were many times opportunities to sell these oil stocks and these energy stocks. So what's changed? Well, it's, it's virtue signaling. It's the zeitgeist. It's the cool thing to do. They don't care about people's retirement money. This is not, you don't sell at the bottom. And you certainly have to take a look at a fact that, uh, you know, you're selling basically when this particular industry is at the lowest point percentage representation in the S&P ever. It's the cheapest ever. It's the dumbest thing ever. But this is what they do. So, you know, we'll go back to the facts and reality while de Blasio and the comptroller sail off into la-la land. Energy sector CapEx is collapsing. These are extractive industries. There's two trains of thought here. There's people listening to this that say, John, you're all wet. You've got it wrong. Oil is going away, but it's not. Transportation fuels are not the majority of a barrel of oil. Look around your house. That's where all the oil goes. Plastics, asphalt, additives to everything. It's everywhere. The frames of your glasses, your computer monitor, the fabrics and your bed spread. I mean, everything has got petroleum derivatives in it. 
and it's an extractive industry and we are on a finite planet and you are not investing enough money as this chart shows to make up for the produced reserves. And at some point, that's a problem. You know, I didn't put a chart up this week. I should have. Uh, storage is getting down close to the five. It's uh, if it's not already at the five-year average, we're already we're, storage levels are already back. All that all that COVID oversupply has already been whittled down. Okay, so now we're starting. That's why the price of oil is going up. These markets anticipate things, guys. Six months out, a year out. It's sending a price signal to producers. Hey, there's going to be a shortage of oil down the line. Produce more oil. But, you know, we're, we're, we're getting, this is why speculators, that's why I'm a speculator. When I have dum-dums like de Blasio and people in Norway divesting their energy out of their uh, sovereign wealth fund, and everybody hates this, and there's no money going into this, but it's necessary for civilization, you've got to be in. Like we talked about last week, energy is inculcated in everything that we do. We have to have fossil fuels. Now, there very well could be, in 20 or 30 years, a transition to EVs and electrification that's sufficient to lower the amount of fossil fuels needed. However, that's not going to happen in the next year or two, or even three to five years. That's why I'm trying to tell you, regardless of what happens, we, and we can't know what's going to happen 20 or 30 years from now. We can't rely on that as an investment thing. What we can say, though, is, hey, everything that's happening right now requires oil. And there's not enough investment. There's, time, there's going to be another cycle, upcycle. I can guarantee it. Probably a couple more before this electrification that they're talking about takes place, if it takes place. You know, all those machines, all those, it's funny because I build renewable plants. I don't see any electric cranes. I don't see electric pickup. Everything's diesel. The trucks that deliver the components, it's all diesel. The ships that bring them from the manufacturing facilities in Europe and China are runoff bunker fuels. It's not electric. What, what are people talking about? Are they this dumb? That's the opportunity as a speculator. Take the other side of the wrong thinking. A lot of people hit me up about this. I have interest in it too. I just saw this on Twitter. I think it was on Trader Ferg's feed. Anyways, haven't had a chance to digest it. I just wanted to put it up there. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Diamond Offshore announces restructuring plan. Lots of people interested in the offshore drilling industry as I am. I think it's going to be a tremendous uh, investment speculating um, area in the next couple of years. But uh, yeah, just wanted to put this out that uh, it's it's happening and uh, you need to be apprised of it. These, these things will, will come back to market and uh, we'll have to take the time to analyze them when they do. Another article from Reuters, big oil hits brakes on new development. Top oil and gas companies sharply slowed their search for new fossil fuel resources last year, data shows, as lower energy prices due to the coronavirus crisis triggered spending cuts. Yep, that's true. And like I said, they're still pumping, though. They're still pumping their reserves down. If you are an oil company and you are not replacing reserves, you are going to go out of business eventually. I guess unless you're like, you know, Total or BP or some of these other companies, maybe... 
Royal Dutch, not Total, Royal Dutch, you know, they're transitioning to renewables. But we'll see. Acquisitions of new onshore and offshore exploration licenses for the top five Western energy giants dropped to the lowest in at least five years. Data from Oslo-based consultancy Rystad Energy showed. Acquiring additional leases comes with a cost that demands some work commitments to be fulfilled. Hence, companies would not want to pile up on additional acreages in their non-core areas of operations. That's true. You have leaseholds, you have you you get a lease, you have to do some work on it on a certain amount of time, or you lose the lease. So again, we just have anecdote, vignette, anecdote after anecdote, vignette after vignette, telling us that we are heading right towards an energy crisis. Um, and still, you know, we've had an initial move off the bottom for a lot of the oil stocks. And but they're way, they're still way undervalued based on where we think things are going. I'm very comfortable. I'm suggesting, you know, maybe $70 a barrel this year, we'll see. And then who knows in 2022, it just depends on what happens with the economy, with the money printing, if they open things up. But uh, regardless, you know, Jim Rogers has said many times, and I've quoted him many times on this videos, on these vi videos that I make, you know, you can still have a rising commodity price if the supply, even if the demand for a commodity is falling, as long as supply falls faster, which is we are in danger of beginning to see now. Uh, this is a chart. Uh, you, you gotta, you gotta follow Eric Nuttall on Twitter. Uh, Nine Point Partners up in Canada, last of the Mohicans, as far as uh, energy analysts in Canada, he's one of the last ones running a fund. Uh, he stuck it out. He's having a tremendous uh, comeback now. But I like some of these charts he puts out around free cash flow at different um, price decks on WTI. So here's a uh, one he puts in here, and you can see all the little ticker symbols. I'm giving. I own some of these. These some of these are in the portfolio. I'm not going to tell you which ones, but uh, this just gives you a, a little flavor of how much value is out there. And you know some of that negative news around pipeline, Keystone pipe. It doesn't matter for some of these companies. It, they, they already have their production can get out of Canada just fine. It's not a problem. Um, you know, this is where we're at. So title of the slide, how many years of free cash flow at $70 WTI would it take for a company to buy back all its outstanding shares in debt? Now we've talked about this before. I've shown these charts before. The caveat is it's not really realistic to buy all your shares back, but this is an exercise in how cheap to show you where the value is. So it's saying at $70 WTI, which I think is going to happen, that how long would it take these particular companies in years to pay back all their debt and buy back all their shares? And you can see, I mean, some of these are like one, one of the lowest is at, at $70. Uh, that's Athabasca oil sands. That's Athabasca oil sands. That's Athabasca oil sands. Uh, could buy back their shares and pay all their debt off in two years. Now, if you think oil is going down, you wouldn't want to touch any of these with a barge pole. But if you think oil is going up, there's tremendous value here uh, all along the spectrum. I mean, paying back all your debt and buying back your shares. And some of these things have moved higher, but not that much because there's still this perception that well, without the Keystone Pipeline and Trudeau's against energy, you know, it's just, it's over. I'm throwing my hands up. Well, it's really not. These people are 
all producing oil. They're all shipping it daily. It's making its way into the market. You know, now you want to talk about growth of the industry. That's a different story. But these companies don't need to grow. They can just maintain their production, maintenance capital, and uh, produce tremendous amounts of cash flow. That's an opportunity, guys. All right. Evidently, silver is going to be or is shaping up to be the next target of the Wall Street bets crowd. I'm not suggesting that it is. I don't know anything. I, I'm just think this is I find it amusing. I'm following this uh, for entertainment value. I hold silver. I have silver stocks. I have royalty companies that are focused on silver. If silver was to go nuts, that would work for John. But I think this is interesting because you can see regardless the weekly change in what you're seeing here is this is the millions of ounces. This is like uh, total published repositories of silver, mutual funds and ETFs and ounces. That's on the left. Here's the silver price uh, over here on the right. You can see the gray line is the silver price. These are the total holdings. It's went nuts uh, all through last year and beginning of this year. Okay, the accumulation is there. The price is up. Um, and you know, people, if these people, there's this theory out there, uh, I'm not opposed to it. There's been same situation. You have more people out there playing around in these futures markets with these, um, precious metals, you know, many times more than the, in, in, you know, what, what does a futures market exist for? It doesn't exist for speculation. It's there to allow producers to hedge their production so they have the ability to lock in a price for their forward production. So if you're a wheat farmer or a, a miner, you can use these markets to say, okay, well, at this time next year, when I'm going to deliver so many ounces of silver or so many bushels of wheat, I can lock in a price that's helpful for financing. That's helpful for understanding that I can lock in a profit, right? That's why futures markets were developed course of the bastardization of our financial markets and low low moral standards uh, in the U.S. You know these markets have degenerated into playgrounds for hedge funds and the sharpies. So the idea is let's all go out and buy silver, take all the physical silver out of the market, demand that you know people should some whales come in, demand that uh, the that these people have to deliver on the contracts and they won't be able to. I would caution one thing, as you've already seen this week, and you should familiarize yourself if you're one of these young guys about, this has all been done before. There's nothing new under the sun. Familiarize yourself with Bunker and Lamar Hunt and when they tried to corner the silver market and they were successful. And guess what? They changed the rules on them and they bankrupted those guys. They're going to do it every time, guys. The government isn't going to allow people... You're going you're gonna to be able to slide through the back door once in a while. Like they got, you guys got them on GameStop, but, you know, because they were asleep, you know, over at, at the SEC, these hedge funds were asleep, but you're only going to get them so many times. They're going to come down on you. So read about what happened to the Hunt brothers. Maybe these guys will be successful. I don't know. Uh, in cornering the silver market, whatever they're planning on doing next. But I would suggest to you when they bring the full force of the government down on people, uh, that's what they're able to do. They can close markets. They can settle in cash. They can do all kinds of things that you can't think of to rip you off 
after you think you've got them. You play by the rules, they change the rules. That's what basically will happen. So be careful. You know, I look at these markets as opportunities to invest and speculate. I don't speculate with leverage. I don't go on margin. I don't short sell. I look for companies. I look, I treat companies as shares, company shares as part of percentage ownership in a business. And I am looking to get my slice of the forward earnings of that business. That's how you should look at it. Anything else is gambling. Yes, you can speculate like we speculate in mining shares and some of these junior oil stocks, and, uh, but that's not my main focus. I like to look for companies that are undervalued, buy them and hold them for a long time as they compound wealth. That's investing. The rest of this is different levels of speculation and what some of these people were involved with is straight gambling. So I bring this up for informational purposes. I don't endorse it. I'm not part of it. I don't know what's going on. But, uh, you know, I will say one thing, there's been a lot of silver accumulation going on in the last year. So that's it for this week, guys. Uh, appreciate the listening, appreciate the support, appreciate the likes, appreciate the subscribers. Uh, January has been my best month for the newsletter. Um, I'm hoping that uh, people will get some value out of that. I think they do. And uh, if you're interested in becoming a subscriber, then uh, I will put a link in the show notes and you can check it out. Okay, guys, that's it for this week. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks.